When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Did you say premature speculation? Yeah, it's before? premature speculation. Can you see a doctor for that? TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Thanks, Kepler's. Here's a drive to left field, way back. And off the facing of the second deck. C.J. Crone with a long home run. One and two. To the left field corner. Deep and gone. Nelson Cruz with his 12th. And the Twins take a 1-0 lead. All right, gentlemen. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. It's 80 degrees. The Twins are 23 games above 500. Is it that hot out right now? 80 80 81 degrees, according to the old uh, iPhone forecast right Once here. Once it breaks 80, it becomes unpleasant yeah. for me. So you're out on the 81 degrees? Yep. You're out on the 81? Yep. Okay. Hmm. You're an interesting <laughs> person, Robbie. I'm totally with you, Robbie. Just like, wow. Right? I don't feel I alone agree in that too. Room. It's just great. We start the show with <laughs> twins are going great. It's 80 degrees. Oh, it's 80? Too hot, man. Oh, no, too no. Hot. That's too, not going to work hot. for me. Yeah. So if it was... Ram dog out. If it was 79 degrees, I'd be cool. we would just roll right through the show. I'd have right through that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't have stopped you. 80 degrees, I'm turning on the AC at home, and my wife's like, turn that off. It's not happening. I'm like, wait, you on. guys don't put AC on when it gets to 81 degrees? No, because she's eight. like, this is That's fine. This hot. is comfortable. I'm like, no, I am like, no, no. I'm struggling to breathe because I'm a fat guy and I cannot handle heat. When it breaks 74, the AC goes on. When it breaks 80, it ceases to become pleasant outdoors. <laughs> That's Those are my rules. You guys 74, the AC 74, goes on? the AC goes on. You know on. what? I, I, like, I like the show better when it's just me and Judd, actually. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you've got a lot. You've got more rules than I have. <laughs> well, it's been real, guys. Bye, Rami. Bye, Jonathan. See you guys. See you guys. Nice cup shot, though. What I was going to say is... You're sorry. I'm it's sorry. A, it's an amazing temperature, but Rami thinks it's not. Jonathan thinks it's not. The Twins are dominating. They're home this weekend. I think they've sold out tonight, tomorrow, Sunday. We have sellout first-place baseball. I think the next six games, because you got Boston coming in on Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, I think the next six games are sold out. We're putting number, going to be sold number out. seven up forever, and that's going to be uh, the big thing this weekend. Mm-hmm. Magic number is 85. Is it 85 now? Yep. Who's Cleveland playing tonight? Uh, I'll have that to answer further derail the, the start of the show. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, you, look, before we get to Judd's question, I want to know if Cleveland's who's Cleveland playing tonight. Hmm, Cleveland has the Detroit Indians in Detroit. Detroit, the Detroit, the Detroit Tigers in Detroit. We're off to a great start. We really can't are. be the Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Indians against the Detroit Indians. <laughs> Baseball's coming up next. Then it'd be soccer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well put. You are correct. So let's dive into a little Joseph Patrick Maurer here, and uh, I got a couple questions for you guys. But Judd actually asked me a question before we went on. The mics here in the hallway that I think you should bring to the to the sure. audience and to the room. Here. Yeah, and uh, Derek and I discussed this on the uh, twin show this afternoon, and I was asking him as we went down the path. And there's so much to, to dissect. It's it's really intriguing to me, you guys, that for really as boring as Joe could be, that he became so polarizing. And there are a ton of different ways to take this conversation, but the one that I hadn't thought of until we began this discussion today between me and Wetmore was this one. Everything I realized, or a lot that evolved around the game of baseball as Joe's career progressed, hurt Joe. Shifts. So let's say when let's say when shifts became popular, baseball had come back immediately and said, uh-uh, no, 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 no. That's an illegal defense. 
Everyone has to play on their side of the bag. We can't have, we don't want shortstops uh, playing second base. We don't want second baseman in right field. We don't want third baseman at shortstop, blah, blah, blah. Shifts are illegal. And the se- and the second one, and this was this was always going to be a discussion about Joe and uh, his career. So this is this is not something that changed the dynamic, but I do believe it altered it. When the baseball started to get wound tighter and or j- flat out juiced, if baseball come back and said, "Okay, we do not want home runs flying out of ballparks left and right," therefore the baseball has to go back to being a semblance of of how it was in take your pick two thousand eight or something. Okay, how much different? With discussion, and would we think, and the fans who clearly, some of whom turned on Joe, think if those things hadn't been allowed to progress while Joe was playing. So if they, if shifting was not allowed, how would because things have shifting progressed? affected him without question? Well, outfield, can we still shift in the outfield? Like shading in the outfield, shading, did yes, him but in you in can't. But you can't have complete uh, shifts like like we have. Now. You know what? Honestly, I don't think it would have affected much for him because he hit like his outs were left field fly balls and ground balls to the traditional second baseman spot. So, like, you can get Joe Maurer out on a ground ball to the right side without having a shortstop or a third baseman come over. Sure, yeah. But I think, here's how I kind of interpreted your question. I'll answer it this way. I think the pressure would have been on Joe even more than it was or should have been to adapt more aggressively. Because, like, as much as they were shifting him and taking away certain things from him in the last five years of his career, it's even more aggressive now. And the way to beat the things that Major League Baseball is throwing out defensively and from a pitching standpoint is to hit the ball over everybody, right? Hit the ball over the fence. Would he have been able to go from just being kind of a smooth-swinging, line-drive guy to being an uppercut, launch angle, swing-for-the-fences kind of a guy, right? Like Joe Maurer, one of the things about Joe is he never swung out of his cleats. It was always a very controlled swing. He let the barrel do the work, almost like a golf swing where... You're never going to swing out of your golf shoes. You're just going to kind of 80%. Is that what I'm doing wrong? When you golf? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of 10 things. <laughs> okay. It's one of 10 things. All right. Would he have been able to adapt in today's launch angle game to be a guy who maybe doesn't hit 40 home runs, but hit 20 or 25 home runs on a regular basis? Because people put pressure on him to do that 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it made a lot of sense to, like, don't change being a 400 on base guy and a 300 hitter so that you can hit for more power. Just keep doing what you're doing. But I don't think... But Cody that Bellinger, I mean, and Cody Bellinger is obviously very young, and he came up and was developed in this era of baseball, so he knows it a little bit better, and he's more accustomed to it. But he has a very easy, free, effortless swing, doesn't he? He's not swinging out of his shoes. He's swinging more aggressively than Maurer. I think if you watch those guys, especially like their follow through, Joe didn't have the big like sure. torque. It was a very, very easy, smooth swing, and part of that's because like J- Joe caught for ten years, he's been banged up, he's had injuries, and so I think he for- wasn't going to change too. Right, he wasn't going to. In, in fact, for as uh, as bland as Joe can be personality wise, Derek and I talked about this. I think the one thing where Joe showed his um, his competitive side and his back off nature was much more so in his stubbornness. Which was, hey, Joe, you know, baseball's changing. Do you want to change? No. You want to change your walk-up music? No. no. I'm good. Right. I'm good. But I, I think <laughs> I think Joe, his competitive side was a stubbornness of this is how I do things. And I've been successful. And I'm not changing it. Yeah, he would have been he would have been an outlier in 2019's baseball. Right? How, I mean, how many guys can you think of? Even like the the smaller dudes, Eduardo Escobar. You look at Eduardo Escobar. And you put, like put him in the 1995 major leagues, or the 1978 major leagues, or even the 2008 major leagues, and that dude is hitting, hit the ball on the ground, use your speed, etc. Right? Eduardo Escobar is one of the biggest, most aggressive launch angle uppercuts of any hitter in baseball. But if he would have been doing that in 1954 or 1972, they would have told him, "Dude, you're not playing. You can't. You can't do this. I'm sorry. It's not gonna not gonna happen." Yeah. No. They would have turned him into a ground ball hitter. Yeah. They would say, "Just put her in play, kid." Yeah. Just get on base. That's 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 the way they thought back then. Just get on base. Yes, but the other thing that I I, I just get really frustrated in thinking about Joe Maurer's legacy and you know people. You brought up Cody Bellinger, you know, but Cody Bellinger is a first baseman, and Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera are the are the contemporaries of Joe Maurer's era. That like a lot of Twins fans who are not 
pleased with Joe Maurer's offensive performance because it doesn't hit for enough power. They'll put him up against Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. And I think the mistake people make across the board is they don't give proper credit to how hard and taxing it is to put up offensive numbers as a catcher. And it's amazing. In, in, in Major League Baseball history, 148 players have hit 300 or more home runs. So 148 players in the history of baseball have hit 300 or more home runs in their career. That's a small number when you think about how small long this game think. has been played. Right. Yep. Only seven were primarily catchers. So if you think of like how hard it is to hit home, you know, home runs historically, at, yeah, and then like whittle that group down even further, only seven of 148 were primarily catchers. And uh, Mike Piazza is the only one who went over 400 home runs. No catcher in baseball history hit over 500 home runs because it's very taxing and it's, it's hard to hit for power when you're just facing all that wear and tear. And it's just a taxing position to be really good at offensively. And I just don't know if we've considered all of those things as much as we should when putting Joe Maurer's legacy up and hyper-analyzing it. Three batting titles, too. Mm-hmm. What? Is it, when he, he won his first batting title, I, I believe the statistic or factoid is no National League catcher had won one, right? And I think like one American League catcher had. And that was ages ago. And he won three three batting titles while playing catcher. He is... I believe a Hall of Fame catcher, and if you include his first base stats and go through after the concussions, you you can you can find cases to be made, I guess, yeah. against him. But I think if you just crunch the numbers of what this guy did statistically and defensively too at the time, catching wise, he is a Hall of Fame catcher. He's also one of the only players in sports history where at least a large chunk of the local fan base looks at his best season and doesn't view it as a pelt on the wall. They view it as Almost why couldn't, like, why couldn't yeah. he do that every year? Like he won an MVP award. He was the best player in all of baseball in 2009. And instead of that being a celebrated moment in his career, it's almost looked at as, man, like he should have done that every year for eight years. And the fact that he didn't means that we think less of him. And I find that fascinating. It's like he doesn't get credit for the best yeah, season really, of his career. I told you guys this before. I really didn't know that the, uh, the relationship with Joe Maurer was so difficult amongst Twins yeah. fans. It's complex. It's like, very complex. Like he'll get, he'll definitely get cheered tomorrow night, and he'll get, he might even get a standing ovation. But he is because he didn't do the Kirby Puckett game six thing, because he doesn't have the fiery personality of a Kent Herbeck, and because he didn't hit for the power as a six foot four framed guy of a Harmon Killebrew or you know name your Twins power hitter. People have always kind of looked at him, not everyone, but people have always kind of looked at him and said, yeah, all right, all right, could have been better, could have done this, so, should have done that. So what were, and Derek and I came up with, I think, three or four of these, but what were Joe Maurer's sports sins? Because that's what we hold against him. And his sports sins were he wasn't fiery, his sports sins were he suffered a, a concussion, and then he couldn't catch. Not his fault. Didn't hit for power, but he... Certainly, in in his best days, it hit for average brilliantly. But it was it was this litany of things that people looked at Joe that Joe didn't do. But what's really weird too is we also didn't like the fact that, despite the, the fact Joe is is one of us, we didn't like the fact that he acted like one of us. We like expected this personality, and I don't I don't know if that comes from Kirby, who we you know, revered and loved, but it is, it's, it's the most, for a guy who is bland, it's one of the most interesting, convoluted, hard to explain. He was a lightning rod, which is really weird relationships. I think between an athlete and a fans and the fans in this town that I've ever seen. So Rami, what is like, what's your pure, just un, you know, if, if you knew nothing about what we've just told you yeah. and you were just going to come in and say, Oh, here's what I think of Joe Maurer based on nothing that you've, heard from us when i came here i thought hometown kid who who made good on his dream made it to the majors happened to fall in the twins lap in the mlb draft and then went on to have at the very least a borderline hall of fame career and didn't do anything along the way to make anybody hate him off the field yeah. Four six three, like Rami. Four six three. That's that's what I thought about Joe Maurer before Dude, I came to Minnesota. Like people had twins jerseys customized to say four six three and general soreness on the back. Wow, <laughs> I had no idea. And bilateral leg weakness, which I again, had, like that's another thing that 
he went and he missed most of 2011 with just like a vague injury and he had knee surgery, but they were calling it bilateral leg weakness. Mm-hmm. But then it was like maybe something else. And like, no one ever really talked about it. And like, I think do people the, think he was faking. That's the thing. Like no like, one, what do you think? No one knows. The twins, came, <laughs> the twins came up with, with a term that we basically came to find out really didn't exist. They like found some medical term and the place where Joe's at fault there was Joe should have stepped in, or somebody should have stepped in and said, "You guys can't do this. Let's just co- let's go out there, hold a press conference, and say what's what." Nobody did that, and and so there was this entire because of about three or four things, right? There was this sharp turn from from what you just said before, hometown kid, and you know he's a fantastic uh, hitter, blah blah blah. To I don't know if I trust Joe Maurer. And it yeah. was very. It is. It is worth a book someday. the The only problem is Joe being Joe is never going to really talk about it. Bottom line, though, whether he decides to expound on his career and and everything, like write a book or whatever. Bottom line is he's one of the greatest Twins players to ever put on a Twins uniform. He's one of the greatest catchers. He had one of the best ten year runs of any catcher, maybe the best ten year run of any catcher in baseball history. And I think, like, you know, I don't know if he's a first ballot guy, but I think, I think he's a guy that you put in the Hall of Fame at some point. It's yeah. so confusing to me. That's one of the things that I can't wrap my head around since getting here to Minnesota and trying to immerse myself in the sports world here. Yeah, the, this relationship with Joe Maurer, because like I said, from the outside looking in, it looked like a fairy tale. It looked like a baseball fairy tale. It's confusing to us, and we've been here. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited to see the, the weekend's festivities. I hope that he gets the accolades and the applause that he deserves, and it would be fun to see him, I don't know, do some media, open up at some point when he's ready to come in, and I don't know, do just I hope, he, I hope he stays around, and I hope he's visible for the next 10 years, because I think he has a lot of value to offer, and I think he could do himself some good, and could probably help mend some fences with fans if he was just a little bit more available, and uh, maybe join the booth once in a while, I don't know. I think I think there's some... I think there's some communication to be had. Between he was in the, the booth earlier this year for a game, wasn't he? Not ESPN. for a full game. Oh, yeah. He, he was in there game. for a few innings. John Chiambi yeah. and Rick Sutcliffe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, sometime here, I think maybe even in this next segment, our uh, our buddy Craig Gass, noted comedian and impressionist. Hilarious, dude. Is going to join the show. In fact, really, he just really texted. So he's in the lobby right now. We were going to do it at 440, but Already? maybe we bring him on when we come back Comedians here. are usually not punctual. Are we sure this is actually Craig Gass? No, he says, hey, buddy. <laughs> Craig Gass here just walked in. All right. You're we'll not, find him in the hallway. You're not punctual. He might be. I mean, I've never been on a bill that started less than 15 minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> so, good on him. So, we'll do that. And also, it's Write That Down Friday here on Mackie Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is here to help your business in any number of ways. You get more than just a policy when you partner with Federated Mutual Insurance Company. You get help across the board in over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. I've made a couple trips down to Owatonna to just see the Federated facilities and to meet some of the decision makers and uh, some of the people on the ground on a daily basis. And it is amazing from top to bottom, they are all about making sure that your business is successful. Because when your business is successful, Federated Insurance wins as well. And so they have a vested interest in uh, not only helping you through the never-ending sea of problems to solve, but also they're uh, there to ride the roller coaster up when you get those incremental wins as a business owner. You can go to federatedinsurance.com to find your local marketing rep. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Thank you, Jonathan Mackey and Judd with Rami here on the all-new Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. And joining us in studio right now, noted comedian and impressionist. You probably know him if you ever listen to the Howard Stern Show or know anything about comedy. He is Craig Gass, and you can catch him tonight at the New Hope Cinema Grill tonight and tomorrow, actually. Craig, thanks for a few minutes, Craig, man. What's How are you doing on? this afternoon? Yeah, tonight and tomorrow in New Hope, and then Sunday I'm going up to St. Cloud for a Father's Day comedy show, uh, which is um, all the info for uh, St. Cloud and New Hope is at getgas.com. Get gas with two S's. I was bummed out at first because I was hoping for a game seven between the Raptors yeah. and uh, Golden State. And it would have been right in the middle of my show, which I didn't realize 
I'm I I misunderstood what time the tip off was. Yeah, and I thought I could get off stage and then just go watch the rest of the game, and I would have been on stage until the end of the game, and I was really bummed out about it. But now that Toronto's won, it's like all right. Would you have called in sick to your show if there uh, was a game seven? I would have actually flown to Toronto to go to the game because I went to games one and two. I'm a sports fan. I, I book all my shows, all my comedy shows around the country, around sporting events and concerts, and that's a Big reason why I'm not famous, but, <laughs> but I'm having fun, you know, like I've been to every baseball stadium. Uh, I go to the Super Bowl every year and I talk to the players on both teams every year and I get I get funny content from them. And Are you I, one of the guys they're always annoyed by at, at Super Bowl Media Day? No, because okay. um, well, it, it can go both ways. <laughs> like I, I, I'm, I'm there. My goal is to make you look funny and make you look good. But I've noticed every year when I go to the Super Bowl, I've, I got to stop saying, uh, "Hey, man, my name's Craig Gass. I'm a stand-up comedian." Because if I say I'm a stand-up comedian, I notice the first reaction almost ninety-five hundred percent of the time is. Oh boy, here we go. And it's like, no, I'm not going to bust your balls. I'm going to, I got, I got softballs, man. Like, and then, and, and the, the, uh, are you saying like, like, like media people think that about you or like, or like, or the players, players think the that players about. get standoffish because uh, okay. they think I'm going to goof on them. And, but then if they like the Super Bowl 50, I had Peyton Manning. I'm a huge football fan, and I go, uh, Peyton, my name's Craig Gass. I'm a stand-up comedian. I have an idea for you that I want to pitch that uh, is um, uh, for a game show called Peyton Manning Trivia, where it is impossible for you to get any question wrong. And he said, any question? And I said, for you, it'll be absolutely impossible. And I'm going to do a speed round right now. What is the largest city in the state of Nebraska? And he went, Omaha. Where is the, <laughs> where is the College World Series played at every year? Omaha. <laughs> and then I, I asked him 10 questions, of which the answer was Omaha, and he just said Omaha 10 times in a row. And at the end of the game, I went, Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. You are correct, sir. You win again. You win again. I feel like, like Peyton Manning, among among athletes who have a little bit of that funny gene, like Peyton Manning's got to rank pretty high, right? He laughed and played along with it, and I thought, oh, my God. And uh, NFL on Fox Posted on their Facebook page, thank God, one of the guys from NFL and Fox said, what's your name? And he credited me, which was <laughs> awesome, because ESPN puts me on every year saying... With no credit? No credit. They just go, some guy made <laughs> oh, Tom Brady laugh again this year. And I'm like, I'm the guy that made Tom Brady laugh. Like, yeah. But what's funny is at Super Bowl 50, I go to Peyton Manning. He loves it. That video gets... Three million views in 24 hours. It goes hyper viral. And then they walk off and the Panthers come out and I go, oh, man, Cam Newton is going to love me because you're riding high right now. Oh, I'm riding so high. Feeling yourself and by crushed. the way, I feel like you guys can relate to this. Sports is the, in my opinion, the worst radio to be in to get content from people because athletes are the toughest people to talk to. They don't give you anything. Right. And now that they have social media accounts, they really want nothing to do with like your megaphone. They want you know? they want to build their own. It's, right, it's yeah. so ridiculous. So uh, Cam Newton comes out. I don't know if you know this. Do you know what Cam Newton named his son? Oh, God. Oh, I saw this, but I can't remember right Cam now. Cam Newton's son is, uh, his name is Chosen. Of course, as in okay. the chosen one. No, you can't name your son chosen. And I said, uh, Cam, my name's Craig Gass. I'm a stand-up comedian. I love that uh, you came up with a amazing name for your son, uh, chosen. Um, but I have a question: Did you ever think about the other kids that he's going to go to school with, and them feeling insecure that they're not chosen? And he gave me a dead serious answer, and I went. Okay. okay. I go, but were you trying to one up anybody who names their kid Jesus? And he went, <laughs> next guy. And, he just went. and that was it. And it was it. He just moved on to the next guy. And I can't even put the video out because his reaction makes me look bad. Like instead of playing along with it, it makes me look bad. So I couldn't even put the video. It's out. still be watched though. Uh, yeah, it's, like you could have put it out; it'd still be watched. People yeah. like awkward. Yeah, and uh, I definitely had a lot of awkward moments, man. It's like uh, my two teams um, are the Mariners and the Seahawks, and I, I realize it's not your teams. I get it, but I'm a sports fan, and I got to meet my quarterback once. Um, uh, Matt Hasback was the first guy to ever take my team to the Super Bowl, and. 
the way my team plays on Sunday genuinely affects my mood for sure. the next yeah. seven days. That's how involved I am with my team. And uh, so I'm in the hallway, and someone goes, dude, that's Matt Asmack. And I go, Matt! And, and Matt turned around, and he said, what's up? And I went, what's up? My voice got that high. And then I realized, oh, my God, I have a camera phone. Sir, can we take a picture? Just, just real quick, just real quick. Matt, come on. Can, can we just real quick? Wait, and we take the picture. If you look at the picture on my Facebook page, I look like I'm 12 years old. I'm shaking in the picture. Plus, Matt Hasselbeck is a foot taller than me, so I'm grabbing him and going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> like looking up at him and trying to rub his bald head and he's terrified. Yeah. He takes the picture and goes, All right, I'll see you later. And he just walks away with me standing in the hallway staring at him like, dude, there's something about meeting somebody who you really admire where you want to stretch out a moment that is clearly over. <laughs> I said, hey, take a picture. He said, fine. He's taking the picture of me. Now he wants to move on with his life, but I want more out of this. So as he's walking away, I went, Matt! And, and, he, and Matt turned around, and I put my hand down, and I said, come on, man. Just right, right here, just shake. Just And because I thought in my head, like, if we shake hands, then we'll start talking. And then if we start talking... Maybe you'll teach me how to throw a spiral. I, I, I just, it doesn't make any sense, but I, I know that shaking hands is the beginning of a friendship. And Matt Hasselbeck reluctantly turned around and said, all right, what's up? And he starts walking towards me, and I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Here we go. We're going to touch. Here we, we're going to touch. <laughs> and these are the only words that came out of my mouth. I went, you make me so happy. And he went, what? And I turned around, and for the next 10 years, I am doing sports interview. Like every, I'm in a different city every week. I'm, I'm always uh, somewhere around the world, and I'm doing press to promote my shows. And every city has a sports station, and every sports station says the same thing. We love the shows you're on. Like, we love King of Queens. We love Family Guy. But we're a sports station. Do you have any sports stories? And I always have to go, I... <laughs> I met my favorite quarterback, and I think I started my period. And they go, oh, okay, well, do you want to share that story? And I go, yeah, I guess. And then, so I've been repeating the Matt Hasselbeck story in a different city every week for over 10 years. Four years ago, I'm broadcasting from the Super Bowl Media Center in New Orleans when Matt Hasselbeck starts walking through the media center. And I looked at him, and I heard my friend Jason trying to tell me to calm down. I go, it's okay, I'm just going to say hi. And I go, Matt, hey, buddy, I don't want to bother you at all. I just want to say hello. I'm a big fan. My name's Craig. And he went, Craig Gass. And I went, shut the hell up. Are you serious? <laughs> and he goes, you're the guy. You're the guy with the story, right? Hold on a sec. Hold on. Brett. Oh, Brett, God. Come here. I look oh, over. Oh, God. Brett Favre starts walking towards me what? in what feels like slow motion. He's coming at me in slow motion. Matt Hasbeck goes, Brett, this is Craig Gass. This is one of the funniest comedians on the planet. Now Brett is floating towards me. Just, <laughs> and I hear him say, what's up, dude? I love stand-up comedy. And I went, <laughs> I do too. And I started crying. I started crying to Brett Favre and Matt Hasselbeck. At one point, Matt Hasselbeck said, this guy does impressions. Watch this. Craig, Craig, do some impressions for Brett. And every impression I did was of somebody crying. Every impression was like, <laughs> can I get a picture? Okay. All right, come on. Hold this. Here we go. And I got it between them. <laughs> and we, we took the picture the next day I wake up in my hotel room in New Orleans I log on to my laptop I go to my Twitter page Matt Hasselbeck is following me on Twitter I called my friends back home in New York and I said I made it bitch and then I hung up the phone like, I was like <laughs> and then I remember I called my friend Jason I go Jason come here look at this look at this and my friend Jason walked to my hotel room he goes what what am I looking at Matt Hasselbeck Twitter so what is Matt Hasselbeck following you on Twitter? I said, Matt Hasselbeck is following me on Twitter. And my friend Jason very calmly said, you should tweet him. And I went, oh, yes. No, you know what? I'll post a picture. I'll post a picture. I'll post a picture. He'll love it. And that is when this whole story just takes a huge dump because uh, I got so emotional 
looking at the picture on my phone, and I made the mistake of typing a caption while I was in an emotional state. Oh, no. And, oh, God. and by the way, you can see this for yourself. I am not lying. It's on my Facebook page. My Facebook is connected to my Twitter. Go to Facebook.com slash I love gas. I love gas with two S's. Go to my profile pictures, and you'll see it. Brett Favre, smiling. Matt Hasselbeck, smiling. Me in the middle, terrified. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the caption I wrote. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But when one of your heroes introduces you to Brett Favre, with the words, this is one of the funniest comedians on the planet. You know what time it is. Hashtag, it's boner time. And I posted that, and within an hour, literally within one hour, Matt Hasselbeck unfollowed me. Like, no. No. So, yes, dreams do come true. Just don't mess them up. That is actually a big part of my show. This weekend, like tonight and tomorrow in New Hope, and then on Sunday in St. Cloud, is just embarrassing stories about run-ins I've had with people who I really respect and admire. And again, the tickets are at getgas.com for St. Cloud and New Hope. Um, New Hope's tonight and tomorrow, St. Cloud's on Sunday. But I'm mostly known for doing voices. Yeah, so I want to ask you, by the way, Craig Gas is our is our guest here. Mackie and Jeb with Rami, Score North and the Score North mobile app. Um, so, impressions, have you ever had... And take this wherever you want to, but how many people that you do impressions of have you actually gotten to meet face-to-face, for all better or for worse? All of them. Really? your impressions are amazing. Like, it's, and the, what happens is the people I do impressions of try to meet me, and they try to track me down. I've always been able to do any voice that I hear because of how I grew up. And this is not a joke. This is a true story. Everybody in my family is deaf. My mom, my dad, and my sister are all completely deaf. So growing up in a deaf family, I couldn't learn how to talk from my family. I learned how to talk by copying all the voices I heard on TV. And I never got an accent from the Bronx, which is where I'm from. And everybody in the Bronx sounds like Tracy Morgan. Everybody in the Bronx talk like this. (laughs) Whether you black or white, (laughs) male or female, that's crazy. Hey, this is the voice of your next door neighbor, and I'm a Vietnamese girl. That's crazy. Like, everybody sounds like that. So the weirder the voice, the easier it is for me to do it. Like, Christopher Walken has a real stop-and-go kind of voice. (laughs) By the way, can I tell you a quick Christopher Walken story? Please, yes. I'd rather tell you a Christopher Walken story than just do a Christopher Walken impression. A comedian friend of mine, Kamal... Uh, from the Jerky Boys? Do you guys remember the Jerky yeah, Boys? Yeah, Kamal had this amazing story that he told me about an actor friend of his. It's an actor. He's an actor wannabe. He's always scheming on trying to get into Hollywood parties, and and he actually introduces himself to people as a background actor. Hey, what's up? I'm Jeff. I'm a background actor, which is like a it's a fancy name for an extra. You know, sure, to be yeah. a background actor. But this guy Jeff calls up Kamal and says, "Hey, I heard about." This bar on 26th Street apparently is like a scene on Tuesday nights where there's all these actors and and casting people. We should go, and I'll bring my demo reel, and we'll schmooze. And Kamal thinks this guy is kind of a joke, and Kamal goes, all right, yeah, I'll go to the party with you. Let's go. So they go to that bar on a Tuesday night. He told me the story, by the way, 15 years ago, and the story was already 10 years old at the time. This is a 25-year-old story. They go to this bar where apparently all these like actor types hang out at on a Tuesday night. And when they walk up to the bar, laying on the ground with his mouth covered in blood is Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken just got in a bar fight what? in this bar. And Kamal's buddy actually does this move. Oh, my God, Chris, are you okay? Holy jeez. Hey, my name's Jeff. I'm an actor. Um, <laughs> Hey, uh, I don't know. Do you remember a girl named Lisa that used to work with you? Her name's Lisa. She used to work in catering. That's my friend, Lisa. Do you remember Lisa? And Christopher Walken is literally picking up blood off of his mouth. And he said, Christopher Walken stood up and said, What's your name? (laughs) Is it Jeff? (laughs) Jeff, I want you to turn around. 
and I want you to get out of my face. <laughs> or I'm going to make sure that you disappear. <laughs> and no one is ever going to see your face again. <laughs> and this guy, Jeff, goes, okay, all right, can I give you my reel? No, okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> all the way to the end, he's still trying to, yeah. But, uh, so it lent itself towards doing, uh, I did a lot of radio. I worked with Howard Stern for many years. And then a few years ago, I started working with um, Family Guy and American Dad and doing voices on those shows. And again, to the point about meeting my favorite athletes, uh, I've been lucky enough that every show I've been on has been a huge show. King of Queens, Sex and the City has been a huge show. But Family Guy is the first show I ever worked on that I'm a fan of. And my first episode, I worked with Seth MacFarlane and just just came off way too strong because I was so excited to be with Seth. It was just me and Seth in a recording studio. And every joke he made, I laughed too hard. And he would just he'd go, hey, he'd make some silly joke. And i go, ha! And he'd go, all right, dude. <laughs> all right, all right. And the whole recording session lasted like maybe five minutes where Seth kept doing one line as Peter Griffin. And he kept going, this is crazy. The one Al Pacino was a slumlord laundromat tenant. <laughs> and then they cut to me as Al Pacino surrounded by a bunch of broken down washers and dryers going, you're out of order. <laughs> and you're out of order. And you're all out of order. <laughs> And I did that three times, and then uh, Seth MacFarlane goes, all right, man, I think we're good. But I'm so nervous because I actually believe in my delusional mind that we're going to be friends now because we're working together. It's the same so, theme with you. You're yeah, I get too excited. So I stood up, and I, and I actually said, uh, hey, so uh, you want to hang out? or?" Uh, and he goes, what, what do you mean hang out? And I go, you you want to grab a coffee or something? And he goes, I got to work. And I said, all right. Do you want me to leave? And he goes, yeah, get the hell out of here. And I go, oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, paper and I walked out. And I didn't hear from them again for like six months. And then they started calling like every couple months and going, hey, can you do this voice? Can you do this voice? And every time they called, I said, oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I can do that. I can do whatever you need. And every time I come in, Seth MacFarlane's never around. It's always this guy, Mike Henry, who does the voice of Cleveland and the creepy old guy. Oh, the and creepy every, old guy is the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and every, every time I see Mike, I'll go, hey, Mike, is, uh, is Seth around? And every time I see him, he goes, don't worry about Seth. We'll get you out of here real quick. Come on. <laughs> Mike, we'll get you out of here real quick, man. That tells you everything you need to know. But yeah, I've always had an easy time doing voices, and then uh, almost everyone I do an impression of has tried to meet me, and, um, you know, with just a few exceptions. I mean, there's some impressions I do that are just bad. I know they're bad, and... Um, and I always try to qualify them. Like, I'll have friends that'll go, like, dude, that doesn't sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'll get insecure and go, well, it's not Arnold. Sw it's Arnold Schwarzenegger after a bad car accident. And that way I can get away with, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold it's Arnold Schwarzenegger after a bad car accident. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing where I can't do a Mark Wahlberg impression, but I do something I call out of breath Mark Wahlberg, which is just uh, just running around going, guys. Are you serious? <laughs> I just saw a car accident. I just saw Arnold Schwarzenegger. That guy's got a concussion. You better help him out. So, so some of the impressions are good. Some of the impressions are bad. But I'll I'll tell you that they're bad. And and um, but um, but yeah, people have. There's been awkward moments. Are you getting texts? I'm getting texts from my buddy. From uh, the twins who turned me on to you guys. Actually, uh, oh, uh, Mitch. Yeah, Mitch. Mitch turned me. He said, uh, "He goes, I can get, I can put you in touch with those guys." And I, I don't know what that voice was. I just said, "I can put you in." That, that was your Mitch impression. Yeah. My, yeah. Apparently, my Mitch is, is <laughs> apparently, apparently my Mitch is Alec Baldwin. I'm gonna put you in touch. Let me get you make a couple phone calls, and I'll put you in touch with my friend Phil. By the way, I worked with Alec Baldwin on the TV show, and that dude was like every day would knock on my on my trailer door and go, "Can I hear some more of your impressions? I love your impressions." And he made me. Do we have time to tell an insane story that's a few minutes long? Can we do it when we come back? Yeah. Can you yes. hang around? Yes, I'm going to tell you a story that's going to blow your mind. Alec Baldwin told me a story about how he, Alec Baldwin, 
almost got in a fist fight with Al Pacino. Oh, that's amazing. And he gave me the blow-by-blow <laughs> of a story that's never been made public before, and I shouldn't even be sharing it, but I'm going to tell you the story because I can play both roles in the story. Amazing. Craig so, Gass hanging out with us, comedian, impressionist, New and Hope. Uh, New Hope Cinema Grill tonight and tomorrow. And What's then, your website where people can get tickets? If you want to get tickets for New Hope or for St. Cloud on Sunday, go to getgas.com. Getgas with two S's.com. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Hang tight for just a second here. We'll have a write that down predictions and an accountability session in about 15 minutes. But let's talk about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities. That would be Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. You know what? If uh, if you're Arnold Schwarzenegger in a car in a car wreck, maybe maybe you should have been driving something with better safety features, like the Rav Four XLE that I just got. Yeah, you know what? In fact, you can actually change the accents and the voices on your uh, on your Apple CarPlay system now. Like, that's it can awesome. It can speak to you in, for instance. Make an, a left. an Australian <laughs> accent. Make a left. I want to know, like, what does Apple CarPlay sound like if Christopher Walken is the one who is uh, giving me directions? Hey, you moron. You missed your spot two blocks ago. Pow. <laughs> See, that's what you need. That's what you need. Corner of 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard. It's Luther Brookdale Toyota. Right now, 0% financing for 60 months on a Highlander, a Tundra, and a Sienna. That ends this coming Monday. That's sexy. This is Tracy Morgan. For who? Luther Brookdale Toyota. What's up, Luther? 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. That's sexy as hell. Thank you, Jonathan Mackey and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. Guest in studio right now, Craig Gass. You know him probably from King of Queens, Family Guy, The Howard Stern Show, and a uh, just a really, really funny comedian and impressionist. You can catch him this weekend right here in Minneapolis at the New Hope Cinema Grill tonight and tomorrow. And where's the St. Cloud show on Sunday, Craig? St. Cloud on Sunday is at Red Carpet, and it's um, all the info for all these shows is at getgas.com. Getgas with two S's.com, and you can see the links for... St. Cloud and New Hope this weekend. New Hope tonight and tomorrow. St. Cloud on Sunday for Father's Day. Now, you were saying before the break, you had a story about an encounter between Alec Baldwin and Al Pacino. That Alec Baldwin told me about. I worked on a TV show called Las Vegas with uh, James Caan. And uh, Alec Baldwin was my partner on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, not like... Uh, like we, yeah, we didn't go camping yeah, it was like it was. Uh, it was, it was my, we we robbed the casino together. Okay, Alec, Alec Baldwin and I, that kind of partner. Okay. And uh, every day, Alec Baldwin would come into my trailer and, and say, uh, "Can I can I hear some more of your Al Pacino? I love your Al Pacino impression." And I would always have people visiting from out of town on the set, and I'd go, "Yeah, uh, real quick. Uh, this is my friend Phil. He's visiting from Minneapolis. Can you do your uh, Tony Bennett impression?" He did a Tony Bennett impression. You'd go, "What the hell does Tony Bennett sound like?" And he'll grab an empty martini glass and get a just a glossy-eyed look on his face and go, Yeah, I'll tell you what. I used to date Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe was a real foxy lady. I once made love to Marilyn for up to 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> until, the para- until the paramedics came along and said, Tony, she's gone. It was like the material was so dark. Yeah, it was really dark. It was really, really dark. So, uh, and then he, I would do my Al Pacino impression for him, and he kept uh, saying, "Oh man, I got to tell you the story. I got to tell you the story." He finally tells me this insane story about how he almost got in a fist fight with Al Pacino, and it was over a one man show that Alec Baldwin starred in about Al Pacino's life, and. The show was scheduled to open on Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. That was the opening day of the play. That was, they were supposed to open on September 11th. And they ended up, instead of doing, uh, they were supposed to be a three week run. I think they did a total of two performances and they scratched the whole thing. But the problem with the show is that it was written by a former best friend of Al Pacino's. Former. And the former best friend revealed a lot of personal information about Al Pacino's life that Al Pacino just didn't want people to know about. So Baldwin said that everywhere he goes, people keep walking up to him and going, listen, I don't know what this is about. I'm just relaying a message. 
I was at an event last week and I saw Al Pacino and he said the next time he sees you, he's going to beat your ass. I don't know what that's about. I'm just telling you. And he keeps hearing all these messages from people going, man, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a heads up. Uh, Al Pacino wants to fight you. He wants to kick your ass. <laughs> and Alex says he was living in Los Angeles at the time working on this TV show that I was on. And he said, so one day I'm in my apartment building here in Los Angeles. The elevator door opens up. Who's in the elevator? It's Al Pacino, Beverly D'Angelo, and a real estate broker. They're looking for an apartment in my building. And he said as soon as the elevator opened up, Al Pacino looked at him and went, Oh, Jesus. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Unafraid, Al Pacino at 85,000 years old. <laughs> Beverly D'Angelo, completely clueless about what's going on between these two men, gets off the elevator and goes, Alec! Oh my God, it's Alec. We were just talking about you. You're so political. You should be a president or something. Weren't we saying that, Al? Weren't we just saying that? And Baldwin said the whole time, Pacino's looking at him going, Ooh, this guy, yeah, this guy does anything he wants. You just do anything you want. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> Beverly Angelo, completely clueless, goes walking down the hallway with the real estate broker in tow, and Al Pacino eyeballs him as he walks past him. Baldwin Gets up to Al Pacino and says, Al, can I talk to you for one second? He goes, what, you got something you got to say to me? What do you got to say to me? Al? He goes, listen, I know you know about the play. And he goes, play? You were in a play. Tell me about your fruity little play. I'm dying to hear about your little play, Al. And he goes, listen, I know you know about the play. I just want to tell you a couple things. Number one. I didn't want to do the show in your backyard. I was only going to do it in New York City. Number two, I only agreed to do the show for three weeks. And number three, and this is the truth, I've never had more fun in my life than I did playing you. That's the truth. And he said, Al Pacino looked at him and went, Alec, how in the world can you have fun being me? Because I'm miserable. I'm miserable. <laughs> and they worked it out, and they hugged it out, and they got through it all. But it's my God, that story had me on the edge of my seat. On the edge of my seat. Like, stories like that, like, if you come out to New Hope this weekend, or if you come out in that show in St. Cloud, it's just a bunch of stories about celebrities uh, that I've, you know, people that I've worked with, the TV shows I've been on, um... You know, uh, Tracy Morgan is a source of great... Have you ever had Tracy Morgan on your show? Never. I, I had the pleasure of meeting him once. Right. And uh, I went and saw him at a show in Milwaukee. And I, I do stand-up comedy. Oh, wow. Right and on. I had just started at the time. Okay. And he seriously... It was after the show. And because I had hosted a radio show, I was there with a couple of former Packers. So we got backstage. Nice. And he took like half an hour out of his time after he just performed for 90 minutes and sat down with me and just shared wisdom and advice about the stand-up comedy game. Like, it changed my life. He's, he's, a, he's sweetheart. a great dude. He's a sweetheart of a person. He, he speaks in euphemisms, right. you know, but he's a sweetheart of a guy. My favorite, I love a good entertainment business story, my favorite entertainment business story of all time that I've been a witness to, that I experienced, is a Tracy Morgan story. <laughs> and I'll tell... I'll tell the PG version of the story. If you want to hear the 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 uncensored version, come out to New Hope or St. Cloud and yell out uh, Tracy Morgan. Uh, I was doing a show opening for Dave Chappelle. This is 2001 at Caroline's on a Monday night. Uh, Dave started doing these Monday night shows where he was rolling out clips of a new TV show called The Chappelle Show that he was going to be having. This is before... Dave went into the stratosphere right. and became like super famous. And I'm getting ready to go on stage, and this agent walked up to me, and he's super nervous, and he goes, "Did you hear about that party last weekend?" And I go, "Did I hear about what?" And he goes, "You about that party last weekend?" I go, "What party?" And he goes, "Tracy Morgan had a party that turned into an orgy." And I go, "Oh, what?" And he goes, "Turned into an orgy. We're standing around with our suits on, and there's naked people." Doing it, <laughs> and then Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan comes around the corner, takes all his clothes, and starts doing it. Like, Look, get out of here! When was this? And he goes, last Saturday night. And right at that moment, Tracy Morgan walks around the corner. I haven't seen Tracy in probably a year at that point. And I went, Tracy. I heard your party was messed up, man. <laughs> and Tracy rolled over and just started eyeballing me and looking at everybody else around me, like he was kind of thinking of how he was going to explain this, and he went. 
It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy, Craig. You know what's crazy about it? When you get off on my floor, you don't even hear nothing. You don't hear nothing at all. Then you start walking towards my apartment, and you still don't hear nothing. Then you knock on my door, but you still don't hear nothing, right? And when I open the door, there's buttholes and toes everywhere. <laughs> What? what? I had to process that because I never heard that that phrase before. So I remember asking, "Did you just say buttholes and toes?" And he said, "Yeah, some of them toes were in the buttholes." And he walked out of the room. And I went, what the hell is that? "That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life." Like, that was one of the most magical sentences I've ever heard. And believe it or not, that is the censored version of the story. Come out. The New Hope tonight or St. Cloud on Sunday, and I'll tell you the uncensored version. And awesome, man. All the info for the shows is at getgas.com. Get gas with two S's.com. You'll see the links for New Hope tonight and tomorrow, St. Cloud, Father's Day on Sunday. So getgas.com. Craig Gas, thanks so much for coming in, Thank hanging you. out with that us. Was great. Oh, Appreciate man. it. Uh, go see Craig again, New Hope Cinema Grill tonight and tomorrow, St. Cloud also. Uh, but I, I want you to help me with something here real quick before we get to write that down predictions and an accountability session. Sure. TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand. We got a couple beautiful 55 inch TCL 4K Roku TVs in the studio right now. I guess I'm just kind of wondering, like, if Al Pacino had a TCL 55 inch Roku TV built in Roku with 500,000 plus movies and TV show episodes, what would Al Pacino be watching right now? Boy, I'll tell you right now, I'd be watching my favorite show. My favorite movie featuring my favorite actor, Police Academy, Steve Gutenberg. Boy, that is, I mean, that is it's a wonderful, wonderful choice. Not sure if I go in that direction personally. I mean, what about Alec Baldwin? Alec Baldwin probably has TCL TVs all over the place. What's he watching? I watch MSNBC and punch my kids. <laughs> oh. Oh. TCLUSA.com. That one's got a bad temper. And that's sexy as hell. Or you can stop into any major local retailer in the Twin Cities and stare at a TCL TV for yourself. He's Craig Gass. We're Mackie and Jeb with Ronnie back here's shortly. Out of breath, Mark Wahlberg. Guys, we got to go to commercial. I'll see you later. I got to go to the bathroom. Take a dump. I'll see you.